But starting with verse 21, I will give it as plunder into the hands of strangers, that being uh, all of the precious uh, metals as well as everything else of value in the temple. I will give it uh, as plunder into the hands of the strangers and to the wicked of the earth as spoil, and they shall defile it. Again, they would defile God's holy temple built, built by King Solomon, built to be uh, everything that you saw in the tabernacle, but then uh, made as a permanent structure in the temple. They were going to defile the, even the holy place. I will turn them from my face. Uh, I will turn my face from them, and they will defile my secret place, that being the holy of holies. Uh, for robbers shall enter it and defile it. And uh, amazingly enough, they don't die. God actually allows them to enter in. And again, this hasn't happened. This is in the future. Going forward, verse 23, make a chain. For the land is filled with crimes of blood, and the city is full of violence. Therefore, I will bring the worst of the Gentiles, and they will possess their houses. I will cause the pomp of the strong to cease, and their holy places shall be defiled. Destruction comes. They will seek peace, but there shall be none. Disaster will come upon disaster, and rumor will be upon rumor. They will seek a vision from the prophet, but the law will perish from the priests and counsel from the elders. The king will mourn. The prince will be clothed with desolation, and the hands of the common people will tremble. I will do to them according to their ways, and according to what they deserve, I will judge them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Let's pray again. Father, we ask uh, for your spirit tonight, uh, Lord, just to be in this place. We know that you are. Uh, Thank you that you're in our hearts, and and Lord, we ask that you would just speak, and that you would guide, and that you would instruct, and that you would open our eyes, our ears, soften our hearts. Lord, uh, we need to be softened every day. We need to be, uh, Lord, watered uh, by your word. We need to be conditioned to hear your voice, and Lord, we pray that you would speak that we would hear and we'd have obedient hearts willingly receiving. And the Lord, we'd grow. Our roots would grow deeper even tonight, that we would be the lights and witnesses in this nation that you've called us to be. I also pray in advance for this Sunday. I pray uh, for traveling mercy for uh, our brother Scott. Lord, we pray that you would fill this place both in the morning and in the evening. Uh, that souls would be saved and the saints would be strengthened. Uh, bless it, use it uh, in a mighty way. I thank you for the CMI folks praying on behalf of us as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So picking up where we left off, if you're taking notes, uh, you remember last week the title uh, was According to Their Ways. If you're taking notes tonight, I've titled our time in God's Word tonight, Complete Desolation. Complete desolation as we get near the end of this particular um, part of chapter 7 where the Lord has uh, clearly identified to Ezekiel what will take place and we know it's going to bring uh, severe desolation to the area. And the only two bullet points we'll look at tonight uh, to kind of close this chapter out is uh, devoid and devastated. But I do have a little bit left to cover Uh, just uh, picking up with where we left off and uh, defiled. And so where we left off uh, with the temple being raided, uh, what will take place, all these things will be uh, taken out. Then he says in verse 23, the Lord tells Ezekiel, make a chain. And this is symbolic of, again, taking when the ancient countries, Babylon was This was not unique to Babylon. Assyrians did it. Egyptians did it. 
uh, and then as, as you'd go forward in uh, empires that would come later, Persians, Greeks, Romans, uh, but even further back with the Hittites and others, uh, they would actually take prisoners and put them in chains. Oftentimes they would strip them completely naked, shave them, shame them, and put them in chains. Some of them, like the Assyrians, what they did to Manasseh, they actually not only put him in chains, they put, they put a hook and drilled it into his jaw. That's always fun uh, when, uh, uh, when you're carried away like that. And that's what the Assyrians did to Manasseh. Amazingly enough, Manasseh, who is one of the prime reasons Israel is being judged, he's not the only reason, he's, he is, at least what he did, he was the most wicked king of them all in, in Judah, and, uh, and amazingly enough, as wicked as he was in all the idolatry and all the child sacrifice and all of the bloodshed and all the things that he did, uh, he actually, when he got carted away to this, by the Assyrians with a hook in his jaw and chained, he actually turned back to the Lord. And God actually, what most of us believe, saved him and let him go back and become king again. Unbelievable that the most wicked king actually repented. Of course, Nebuchadnezzar uh, would be a great man of power and pride, too, that would be humbled by the Lord and also would lift up. So we, you know, it's, that's just like the Lord, that we might very well see Manasseh and Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. Unbelievable. And then other people that you would think are religious leaders will not be there. And those two men. So pray for your leaders. Anybody can be turned back. But the point here is that the chain was to be made. So you've got Ezekiel. Remember, he does a lot of visual aids. Um, he didn't have PowerPoint and stuff. So he had to actually, Lord had to have him use real things. So he would take a chain, and he's walking around with a chain, indicating that this chain will be around God's people. It, they will be carted off as slaves Remember, he'd already shown the sword. The ones that aren't killed, again, if you're not killed by famine, if you're not killed by pestilence, if you're not killed by the sword, then you're going to be a slave and carried away in chains. Make a chain. Why? Well, he says in verse 23, uh, for the land is filled with crimes of blood and the city is full of violence. Uh, That's certainly not the only reason. Remember, all of the sins uh, are all there on the ledger not just uh, the violence, but the harlotry and the idolatry and all the other uh, forms of immorality, blasphemy, hypocrisy, everything else that was in the nation. But the land, um, it was full of blood, full of blood and violence. And notice that uh, it says the land is filled and the city is full. Notice that the nation collectively is held accountable for the bloodshed. Not a specific individual, the land and the city, um, you and I, we, we, no matter what, sometimes we all pay the price for the consequences of the masses, don't we? Uh, whether we individually, now, it's important that we be the light and the witness, but the Lord is saying the land collectively uh, is responsible for crimes of blood, the city for all the violence, um, some people aren't bothered by such things. They have a laissez-faire attitude. Hey, well, it's not happening to me. It's in someone else's neighborhood. That's in another part of the city, so I don't really, you know, it's not, not my problem. But we can't have that attitude. We're all responsible. 
we should all be in prayer for God's Spirit. Even tonight, you know, I think of some of the worst neighborhoods in the country where they live with violence all the time. Uh, and it's not the little kid's fault, is it? Uh, so they need to be prayed for, if nothing else. And people that are abused and all the abusive relationships and all of the violence that takes place. Uh, but this, is, had, this has been going on since antiquity. But God will never... Even remember at the very first murder, God said that the blood of Abel cried out from the earth. That the blood cried out. That God says life is precious. And so if a nation no longer considers life precious and violence proliferates, gang warfare, mafia, you know, just, just angry people, road rage, all the things that have abusive relationships, all those things, eventually God says everyone is going to be held accountable for allowing this to go on, and Israel was going to pay that price. Paul, said, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 2, verse 3, he says, And do you think this... O man, who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Paul asking a rhetorical question. He says, do you think that because you can look on and say, tisk, tisk, all these people that are so violent and so wicked, and then Paul saying, but yet you practice the same things. Now, this may be hard for some of us uh, to recognize that, say, well, I, I actually don't. Uh, do any violent things. I don't, uh, I don't uh, kill people. I don't, I've never done that. I've never even hit anybody. Uh, I don't curse people out. There's nothing that I do that's violent in tongue, word, or deed. Uh, and then the Lord might say, well, what do you watch? What do you enjoy? What, do you enjoy violence? Do you, well, I like to watch it. I do like to watch it. I'm really into that. Uh, I just don't like to be involved in it. Well, the Lord would tell us you are involved. And we end up condoning things. Jesus said a lot of things. If you do it in your heart, you've done it. And so uh, violence um, is pervasive in our own society. Uh, obviously, we have places that experience violence every day. You know, FBI crime statistics, the most violent cities in America, and the most violent zip codes in America, and you know, all the things. And uh, you know, those of us that go into the prison system, you know, we see uh, this firsthand and and, and talk to folks that have experienced this, but the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, they say that by the age of 18, children in the United States will have seen 16,000 simulated murders. 16,000 simulated murders. This is av- an average of three hours of TV a day, uh, which is the U.S. average for children. Uh, 200,000 acts of violence on television. Uh, and this does not include any video games they play. So that is a whole other uh, realm of uh, violence that uh, young people, children are exposed to. Uh, now, not all of that is wrong. I mean, I think it's okay to watch a documentary on World War II. I think we need to learn from history, learn from the past. Uh, there are movies that, uh, that are historically very profound about the Civil War. There's, there's, I, there's lots of examples. So this doesn't mean that every single act of violence portrayed is necessarily wrong. But of those 16,000 murders and 200,000 acts of violence, how many of them are gratuitous and glorify violence? Quite a few. It goes on to say, uh, again, the AAP says, extensive research evidence indicates that media violence can contribute to aggressive behavior, 
desensitization to violence, nightmares, and fear of being harmed. Who would want to do that to their kids? Uh, I, I hope my kids have nightmares. I hope they're desensitized to violence. I hope they're walking around in fear or they're walking around very aggressive and violent. Which of those scenarios sounds like a good one? None of them do. So our nation, we're not only guilty of actual violence, a lot of it, all the murders, all the rapes, all the assaults, all the assault and battery. I mean, ask any judge, what does your docket look like every day? You ever had to go to court? Uh, if you've ever been to family court or if you've ever been to regular court, uh, the dock of the judge that has to go through assault and batteries, and it's a, non, it's a nonstop affair, uh, not to mention the violent crimes, the very violent crimes. But it's our nation, not only in our own nation, just like in Israel. Ancient Israel had their own spate of violence that just continued to escalate. Uh, but not only are our nation uh, guilty of actual violence, uh, and promoting and glamorizing violence through all the different media forms, now the mobile platforms, everything else. But last and not least, we also would be guilty of actually corrupting the minds of our own children. Rather than protecting the minds, we've done quite the opposite. Rather than protecting. And so the Lord, you know, God says if anyone causes a little one to stumble, it would be better that a millstone were tied around their neck and they're cast in. That was Jesus, by the way, who said that. I didn't know Jesus said you know, this would be someone that, I didn't know Jesus said things like that. I thought all he said was, uh, uh, peace be to you and things like that. Well, he said those things too, but he also was very concerned about adults allowing children to be so corrupted Israel, of course, was raising their own next generation after generation of those that were desensitized to the bloodshed and the violent. The city had become that way in the area. Uh, Particularly, um, it was the lower class people that suffered the most uh, in ancient Israel. It still is mostly today. Uh, That's that's the majority uh, today as well. Then what about uh, in our own nation? Now, we don't have child sacrifice, or do we? Manassas had brought in child sacrifice, where they, uh, Manassas was so wicked, and I remember he was, he was several kings earlier, but, uh, but he, before he repented, uh, you know, he was the one that started to, uh, there uh, in the valley, um, they would set up these idols to Baal, he instituted Baal worship, and they would sacrifice children, his own children he sacrificed, so they... Many, many babies were sacrificed. Again, the, the, the hands would be molten hot, and they would just place the babies right on them. And, and this would dissatisfy Baal and uh, to satisfy the gods and a very occultic, evil, demonic practice, child sacrifice. But we have something different. We have abortion, which is to sacrifice a child to make sure that whatever we had planned isn't disrupted. Whether that be career, whether that be I was going on vacation, that's not a good time, uh, I wasn't planning to be married yet. Uh, all the different things that uh, God would say, yes, that might be true, but uh, had you obeyed my commandments in the first place, this wouldn't be an issue. 
So now we double down on our sin, and so we add to immorality, we add murder on top of it. In Psalm 106, I read this verse last time, and it bears rereading again. 106, 37, 39, it tells us what had taken place under Manassas. They even sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons and shed innocent blood. The blood of their sons and daughters, and they sacrificed the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Again, whenever the land allows bloodshed to continue, the whole land suffers. The people of the land, the land suffers. Thus they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. Anything that goes wrong, we always want to look first in the mirror. Their own deeds, their own works, they had polluted the land. But in the United States, over 56 million unborn babies have been lost to abortion since 1973. That was the year that it was legalized with Roe v. Wade, approximately 2,900 babies die every single day. 2,900 every single day. It's like the 9-11 towers every day. But instead of the 9-11 towers being adults, it is, in the minds of many, disposable babies. You know, people that uh, are okay with it I never see them when they aren't going to have abortion. I never hear them say, look at the, the image of our fetus. We're, we're, with, we're with fetus at the party, at the social party. Oh, what are you going to name the fetus? No one talks that way. It's only when they decide not to have it that the word baby is swapped. And by the way, that kind of swapping lingo was something that Hitler and the propaganda uh, of Goebbels and all, that's what they would do. If there was that, you wouldn't call death camps death camps. You'd call it the final solution. You just give it a different name. Uh, and, you, and you make sure that you use the right lingo in front of the right setting because if you're planning on having the baby, even if you are the most rabid pro-abortion person, they, if they are, I'm telling you, and they said, we're excited about having the baby, they're going to call it the baby. If they're not going to have the baby, they're not going to call it baby. What's the difference? Only where the heart lies. Every 30 seconds, a baby, a soul created by God, is killed in our nation, not worldwide, our nation, every 30 seconds. While we've been here, I don't know how many seconds we've been here, but every 30 seconds... One is, still, uh, one is killed. And again, God created the souls. Who are we to tell God? And that's what happens when a nation lifts up its pride and its own priorities are about pleasure. They drift away from the Lord. We no longer follow his uh, laws and his commands. So a chain for the nation. If you choose violence, God says you'll be violently removed from the land. Uh, whatever we sow, we're going to reap. goes on in, uh, in verse um, 24, Therefore I will bring the worst of the Gentiles, and they will possess their houses. I will cause the pomp of the strong to cease. And even their holy places shall be defiled. The city, uh, the city, would, the city had been violated by the people. Remember, the land belongs to God. It's the land 
of Israel, but uh, it's God's holy place. Mount Zion belongs to him. The land belongs to him. They had violated it all. Uh, but while they violated the land, they worked really hard to acquire a lot of stuff. And that's true of a lot of Americans. We've got, uh, we've got people that have worked really hard to acquire a lot of the stuff. And they love this country. On 4th of July, they will sing just as loud as you will, this land is your land, this land is my land, all those things from sea to shining sea. They'll sing with you. They love America, the freedom. I mean, look, Hugh Hefner's been making money for years. He loves it here. Got the big pad there in Southern California. He loves this country. Where else can you make a living doing what he does? Well, now lots of places around the world. But again, it's a great place for many people. And all their idolatry and all the things that they've accumulated and all the things that they've put their life's work into and all the possessions that they've uh, gathered together. And the Lord said, now, in a short moment, you're going to be pulled out And the worst, the most vile of Gentiles are going to come in and they're going to take your house right out from under you and all your stuff becomes theirs. Even it says, and their holy places. Now this is not speaking of God's holy places. This is their holy places, what they worship. So they they had put a lot of money. The only people who could afford expensive idols were really rich guys and gals. So the people that were wealthy, they had the most expensive idols. They could have been made of ivory, overlaid with gold, very expensive. And the Babylonians say, thank you very much. You worked all that time. Now we're going to shave you, put you in chains. If we don't kill you on the spot, the ones that are killed, they'll be treated incredibly bad. We're going to carry you to exile. And what Babylonian, Babylon would do, and other nations would do it too, is one of the ways that you would dominate a land is you would take the people that are in the land out of the land and you would bring other, difference, uh, you would bring other people and resettle the land. So that way there wouldn't be any uprisings of national... Uh, and so Babylon would bring some Babylonians in. They might bring some that they had captured up uh, near you know, Turkey or different places. They would resettle it with other Babylonian citizens. And the, you would kind of have a cross-section that wasn't loyal to the former leadership of, of Judah. So that's what Babylon would do. It would be like taking everybody out of Virginia and resettling it with people from Canada, Mexico, and whoever what the conquering nation is, and they're like, they have no ties to Virginia. They won't start making grits and stuff like that. They won't even know that stuff's there, you know? Some people would like that. I wouldn't. I like grits, but anyway. So they will come in and possess the houses. I'll cause the pomp of the strong to cease. Uh, remember back in verse 19, it said they will throw their own silver and gold in the street because they can't buy any food with it. It becomes worthless. It's not worthless to the invading army because they have food back in Babylon. So for them, all the gold that's thrown on the ground, the idols that have become worthless because the people are starving to death, they're in panic mode, uh, they're going to be killed. For the Babylonians, it's not worthless because they will take all that back to Babylon, which is right now coming into the zenith of the Babylonian Empire. So for them, it's not worthless. It'll just be worthless to the children of Israel. Their homes will be taken over. The pomp represents, when it says uh, the pomp of the strong, um, what was taking place uh, in Judah during this time, and sadly this is happening in a lot of the world, including the United States, is the gap between the rich and poor was growing widely. 
This usually happens before nations collapse. Big gap growing. And so the wealthy end were doing really well, and they had no compassion on those that weren't faring so well. And, of course, they suffered the most uh, violence as well uh, in those areas. But the gap was growing, and so the rich, they were very prideful. They had, all the, they had the money. They had servants. They had slaves. They had all the things. They had all the gold. They had the best idols, all these things. But God says, the pomp of the strong... Yeah, there's strong bank accounts, there's strong houses, there's strong careers, there's strong position in the community. All of these things are going to stop. They're holy places. They're rooms that were, instead of a media room, the idol room. I won't make the comparison between the two. Anyway, I'll go on. Then what takes place? Well, let's take a look at, uh, if you're writing notes, devoid. Verse 25, destruction comes. Again, this is looking forward. It will come. It hasn't come yet. Four to five years out. Uh, God looking, you know, God talks about everything. To him, it's all right in front of him. He doesn't live in the future or the present or the past. He lives across all eternity, outside of eternity. If, uh, you know, there's no dimension that you can understand that God... So he sees it all like almost like a flat plane. Then destruction comes. He sees the future. He's telling it to Ezekiel. They'll seek peace. Now, destruction comes is like almost God speaking present tense, but then he says, they will seek peace. There shall be none. Disaster will come upon disaster. Destruction comes. And when it comes, there's no holding it back. You know, if a hole, uh, a sizable hole were to make its way through the Hoover Dam, the pressure at some point, there wouldn't be any, you can't just, well, let's just put a giant piece of duct tape there. There's no such thing. Even though duct tape does a lot of good, good things. It's the way I fix things around the house. Uh, it's about the only way I fix things around the house. If, if the duct tape doesn't do it, I'm going to be spending a lot more money than I want to. But when, it, uh, when destruction comes, there's no holding it back. And it says they'll seek peace, but there'll be no peace. Disaster upon disaster, rumor upon rumor. They'll seek a vision from the prophet, but the law will perish from the priest and counsel from the elders. The Lord says it's going to be an empty well if you're looking for someone that can speak for the Lord, from the Lord, speak truth, because all of those positions, for the most part, have been vacated. Daniel, he's in Babylon. Ezekiel, he's in Babylon. Jeremiah, he's there, but you guys got him in chains. Remember, Jeremiah's going to get released. All you're left with is your false prophets. Your false counselors and your backdoor bribing guys, you know, your backslappers, your political insiders that are actually priests and leaders of the religious side. And so it's this inner uh, connected web of immoral leaders and immoral religious leaders. Those are your elders. Those are your counselors. That's who you're stuck with, God says. That's who you wanted, and that's who you have. 
when you really need wisdom, they don't have it. They don't know what to do. They've, even though Jeremiah has spoke truth to them until he's blue in the face, they still don't follow it. The false prophets, they never turn the people away from sin. Why? Because they were doing really good. The pomp and strong gave nice houses and possessions to the false prophets because the false prophets tickled their ears and told them, you guys are going to do great for eons. Your generation after generation, your business is going to grow. God will bless you. Continue. Just, just go to the temple and make a little offering. Everything's going to be good. Do we have to give up idols? No, 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 not at all. You don't have to give that stuff up. They were loved by the well-to-do, so they told them what they wanted to hear. But the land and the people, they'll be completely devoid of peace. When they see the armies of Babylon surround the city, then they might be asking the false, Hey, you, you said this wouldn't happen. Oh, don't settle down. They'll, they'll go away. They'll go away. It'll all be all right. They'll be devoid of any worthwhile counsel. You know, I don't know about you, but I like to have peace in my home, and I like to have peace in my heart. How about you? And notice that the enemy is going to take over their house, and the enemy is going to take over the peace in their heart. Both are going to be vacated. There's no, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Either he turns it on or he turns it off. Although we turn it off when we turn him off. And that's what they had done for so long. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14 says, They have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. They've lied to the people. They've told them everything was fine. You're going to have peace. Everything's going to be great. Our enemies will never come destroy us. God is for us. When actually they should have been saying, folks, we better repent or God will be against us. Because up until that point, the Lord had extended mercy. There will be no peace from the waves of disaster. It says disaster upon disaster. Verse 26, disaster will come upon disaster. Rumor upon rumor. I've heard if they come in, they're going to skin us like the Assyrians. I've heard if they come in, they'll put hooks in their jaw. I've heard they'll do worse. I've heard they'll impale us. All those things, by the way, were possible. The ancient, the ancient armies, uh, they had no mercy. Uh, we don't quite understand. Uh, some of that, by the way, is reviving. If you've been keeping up with what's going on in Syria, a couple of folks were crucified recently for being Christian. Crucified in 2014. Nailed to crosses. By the way, the, the origination of that, many believe, was to the Assyrians because they started with trees that they would kind of just shave it down to a point and impale people on them. And later it gave rise to putting the cross beam. And, you know, but there was kind of an evolution of horrific ways to kill people. But those things, again, rumor upon rumor, when will they come? A rumor, are the Babylonians, I've heard they're on their way. And again, chances to repent? No. Because if there were, they would ask the prophets, hey, uh, is it true the Babylonians could arrive here in six months? We've heard they're advancing across. They're coming down from the north. No, 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 they're not going to touch you. You know, just give to my campaign. 
just give to my uh, religious uh, fat wallet. You know, we've got so many false prophets on TV that are taking, and they're taking money from some of the poorest of Americans saying, sow your seed here and sow your seed here and do this and do that. And you, you'll, your ship's going to come in or you're going to be rich. You're going to be this. You're going to do this and you're going to be blessed. And these people have been doing this for years and they're being deceived. But even though they are being deceived and God wants them not to be deceived, there's going to be a higher price to pay for the ones doing the deceiving and robbing people that God knows. But the, problem, the problem is it works both ways. People heap up for themselves teachers that they want to be misled. And, of course, the leaders are there to do that. <coughs> Jeremiah 7, 4 says this, says, Do not trust in these lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. They believed erroneously, that because God had given Israel the temple, he would never let his own temple be destroyed. Folks, if God didn't protect his temple, that he gave the dimensions of it to be built, everything was, I mean, remember the Holy Holies, all that stuff given to Moses, everything. If God didn't protect his own temple, which was all built for him, much less will we as a nation be spared where we were not built for the Lord, we were built on biblical principles, but it's even a step less than a nation that was literally founded through the seed of Abraham, the law of Moses, King David laying the foundation of the city, all of those things, and God did not spare the temple, but they thought that God would never let his temple because they thought that was his house. And in a sense it was, but yet, oh, the world is the house of the Lord. Every, every piece of property belongs to him. He doesn't need a house. And so, how much more in our own country? You know, some would say, well, God, God wouldn't judge America, would he? I mean, after all, we send more missionaries than any nation in the world. We send more money to global missions, albeit what we send as a percentage of church giving is tiny, tiny, tiny. We spend way more money on building gymnasiums, stained glass windows, beautiful ornate buildings, upward basketball, all these things, which, and again, I'm not against some of those things. I think it's nice to have those things. But if all of those things, some of them anyway, I mean, I like you know, youth sports. Those things are fine and they're good thing. But if all those things dwarf global evangelism, there's something wrong with that picture. And so the Lord would look and say, yeah, it's true. You do send more missionaries than any other country. You send more money to global missions. You send more food and aid. But at the end of the day, the Lord would say, and he did say, remember Jesus, he inspected seven churches, did he not? And a couple of them looked on the outside to be the picture of health. And he said, no, not healthy at all. Within the church today, seven out of ten lay leaders and five out of ten pastors admitted visiting adult websites in the last week. Did you hear that? In the church right now, Right now, the church right now, seven out of ten lay leaders, that's your Sunday school teachers, your ministry leaders, your head of ushers, 
all these different ministries, parking lot leader, all these things, seven out of ten lay leaders, and five out of ten pastors admitted visiting adult websites last week. Folks, that was the priesthood and the religious leaders of Israel in the days of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. They were saying one thing and doing another. They represented God with their wardrobe, but behind the curtain was something different. And the Lord will not stand for it. Micah 3.11 says, Her heads judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for pay. And her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? No harm can come to us. Did you hear that verse in Micah? I'll read it again one more time so you make sure that you know this is God's warning. He said, see, God's not fooled by religious establishment. He's not fooled by 24-hour, you know, nonstop Christian TV. He's not fooled by all things that, that we do that say, look at our activity. God says, her heads judge for a bribe. So that means the legal system is corrupt. Hmm, that sound familiar? It's worse in some countries, but, you know, some countries around the world, you can't even get a fair trial unless you bribe the judge. Uh, You have to bribe the police and everything else. But we have some of that happening in our own country. Uh, Her heads judge for bribe. Her priests teach for pay. They're hirelings, Jesus called them. They don't love the Lord, but if you give me a sizable amount of paycheck, I'll write books, I'll teach on TV, I'll do all this stuff, and you'll think I'm super spiritual. Her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord. They like to use the name of Jesus to sell their books. They like to use the name of Jesus to sell their Christian albums. They like to use Lifeway to make a lot of money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? And then they have the foolishness to say, no harm can come to us. As if God doesn't see through all of this. And Israel had the same problem. See, what, we're, what we do is not new the same as it's always been. I remember I had a guy a couple of years ago, I had just started pastoring the church, it had been about a year, and I, I was down in the Hampton Roads area, and I was talking to a guy, he went to a different church, and he says to me, he goes, he found out I was a pastor, uh, and uh, he told me what he was looking for in a church, and he was never going to be up here in Richmond, he just lived down that way, and uh, I told him, he asked me, what I said, well, I church teach verse by verse the Bible, whatever the Lord says we're going to teach, if it's in the Word we teach it, and he goes, that's not what I would want. I said, what would you want? He said, I want, when I come, I want a message that makes me feel really good every Sunday morning so I can leave and feel really good. I said, but, but you didn't write the Bible. You know, the Lord doesn't give us what we want any more than any parent gives their kid what they, I want to stay up till two in the morning, I want to eat cotton candy all night long. <laughs> okay, you're in charge here. Of course, you and I know that would be suicide for ourselves. That's that's one of the first reasons we won't allow it, because we won't be sleeping. But even if we could go to sleep, you wouldn't really say, there's no way I would let my kids develop into comatose diabetic at a young child and get deprived of sleep and have their health go, makes no sense. Last, uh, Last verse here, verse 27. Taking notes, devastated. Last verse, it says, The king will mourn, the prince will be clothed with desolation. Zedekiah, the king, mourn. All right. 
actually be carried uh, away. His eyes will be gouged out. But before that happens, the king will mourn. The prince will be, you know, by the way, uh, some scholars believe that when Ezekiel first says the king will mourn, that's his official title. When Ezekiel says the prince will mourn, Ezekiel does not even recognize him as, as a king. That, uh, that many scholars believe that it was Ezekiel, you know, the Lord indicating, but that he's not earned the right to actually be recognized as king. So he refers to him as a prince. But, he's, but he is currently the king, but Ezekiel's saying perhaps uh, that he's not lived to the level of being really a king as God would have. The prince will be clothed in desolation. Not only would the prince be clothed in desolation, but he's representative of the whole people. The whole land will be clothed with desolation. Houses burned to the ground. The temple, a smoldering pile of rubber, uh, rubble. They didn't have rubber then. Uh, it came later. But a pile, smoldering pile of uh, rubble and, uh, and just bloodshed and death and the whole city laying in ruins. The, common, the hands of the common people trembling. Now, of course, even before the city's destroyed, many of these things would begin to manifest. The people would be trembling before destruction, you know? You and I didn't have to be in the towers of 9-11 to have some trembling in our own selves, you know? We, we, we didn't know. Is this a harbinger of something more? Uh, is, is this just the beginning today? What's going to happen? You know, all those things. So rumor upon rumor, trembling, all those things would be in us as they were in them before uh, the worst of the worst came. But the sad part about the mourning and the desolation, sin and fleshly leaders. Now, Ezekiel's going to take leaders to task as we go through. Sin and fleshly leaders, ultimately, they don't make dreams come true. Sin and fleshly leaders do not make dreams come true and, are, and the greatest of desires come true. Um, they make nightmares come true and they bring desolation. Now, for a short period of time, people might think their dreams have come true. This is great. This is awesome. Nothing will ever happen to us. You know, even when Babylon will meet its own, you know, the night that Babylon falls, Belshazzar is thrown a party, for goodness sake, when the hand writes on the wall, with the hand of God. And all their leaders, with their politics and the, and the religious leaders, and the political leaders all working together. Charles Spurgeon said, he says, what are politics? Another name for every man getting as much as he can out of a nation. He said that back in the 1800s. What are politics? Another name for every man getting as much as he can out of a nation. Just sucking it dry. You ever noticed how many leaders, the rules don't apply to them? The rules don't apply to them. They'll pass laws, but they just don't apply to them. They apply to everybody else. And that's the way it had happened in Israel, the religious as well as the political, the governmental leaders. Turn with as we come to a close, turn back to Leviticus chapter 26, because the last part of this verse says, I will do to them according to their ways, and according to what they deserve, I'll judge them. No one will ever be able to look at God and say, you were unfair. 
No one will ever be able to look at God and say, you gave us as a nation, or you gave us as a city, or you gave us as a family, or you gave us as a person something we didn't deserve. The only thing we've ever received that we didn't deserve was salvation. Think about that. The only thing you and I have ever received that we didn't deserve is salvation. That's a pretty nice <laughs> swap, isn't it? That's what grace is. But the Lord had warned, look at Leviticus 26. Now, we had read Deuteronomy 28 before, the whole chapter on blessing and cursing. Leviticus has some similar promise, promise of blessing and retribution as well. Look at, um, uh, he talks about in verse 21, look at verse 21. What a verse this is. Then if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. But you know what? The people in Israel didn't think God meant it. They didn't mean that. <laughs> that won't happen. I don't understand how they thought that when, remember, Assyria had taken ten tribes away and they'd, the city was already a vassal state to the Babylonians anyway. But nevertheless... Uh, they didn't. In, in verse 23, and if by these things you are not reformed by me, but contrary to me, verse 24, if you walk contrary to me, I'll punish you yet seven times for your sins. I'll bring a sword against you. Remember, Babylon is called the sword in the hand of the Lord. Verse 26, when I've cut off your bread supply, that would happen to the city. Remember, this is, this is Moses hundreds of years earlier. And after this, verse 27, after all this, if you do not obey me or, and, but walk contrary to me, then I also walk contrary to you in fury. The Lord says, if, if no matter all the prophets I send, all the warnings I send, ask you to go back and reread Deuteronomy 28, go back and read Leviticus 26, but you don't, even I, verse 28, I will chastise you seven times for your sins, for you shall eat the flesh of your sons and eat the flesh of your daughters. That would actually happen in Jerusalem exactly the way. Remember, God warned about it in Deuteronomy 28 as well, and here in Leviticus 26. Um, I will destroy your high places, verse 30. I will cut down your incense altars, which, by the way, the incense was expensive too. Uh, cut down your incense altars and cast your carcasses of the life, uh, lifeless forms of your idols. My soul shall abhor you. I will lay waste. I will lay your cities waste and bring your sanct- sanctuaries to what word? Desolation. Same word is used. Same word is used in Ezekiel chapter seven. And your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished at it. I will scatter you among the nations. Again, you'll be carried away captive uh, to the different nations. Your land will be desolate and your cities a waste. It's sad because at the beginning of the chapter, if you look at verse 1, it says, You shall not make for yourselves neither a carved image or a sacred pillar or rear up for yourself. Nor it. So the whole thing is about the nation cannot turn away from the Lord. If it does, and Israel had been doing this for hundreds of years, they had been turning away. So the Lord's patience was long. But at any time, you remember when Samson, we'll close with Samson, because he's a good picture of the nation. When Samson walked for the last time where he would finally uh, find his destruction, he goes to Delilah, goes down to...
Gaza, where he'd end up being, his eyes gouged out, he'd do the millstone until he had that one final reprieve. But from Samson's hometown to Gaza is 56,000 footsteps, 56,000 footsteps, paces. You realize that for 56,000 steps, all the times he had a chance to turn around, that's Israel. That's the United States. Think of how many footsteps it's taken us to drift and walk and run. But yet the Lord would still give mercy tonight on May the 14th. He really would. Samson could have on the 55th, 999th step said, hold on a minute. God said to never go to the daughters of the Gentiles, never to go where their false idols were, never to go in this direction. What in the world am I doing here? If he'd have turned around, because he had ruled well for 20 years, the scriptures say, he would have been an even greater man. He ended up having a great final heroic moment, but he had to die in that process. God forbid that we finally turn to him when the roof is falling down. Amen? That's what happened. And the Lord uh, doesn't want to bring this desolation, but he will. And for you and I, we must be Ezekiel. We must be Jeremiah. We must be faithful in the midst of it. And at least compel people to turn around. Now, whether they will or not is up to them. Amen?